The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, James Anderson. We are brought to you by WinBet, and I'm really excited for this episode. We'd, we'd planned it uh you know a few weeks ago but um kind of timed it just just around his announcement of uh, a new job uh jeff ponce friend of the show um we go way back uh just uh announced that he's going to be joining baseball america as a full-time prospect writer uh big time congratulations on that jeff uh well deserved um you know that's that's really exciting news. I was really pumped when you told me about that. Uh, what are what are the details? When when do you leave uh, Prospects Live? Sure. When do you start at Baseball America? So uh, still at Prospects Live for a couple more weeks. Um, I'm working on really just off season reports right now. Um, I'm not sure. I think there might be a couple couple things I might drop behind the Patreon. Um, you know b- before I move on, but uh, I'm really we're putting out a book. Uh, similar to baseball America. So <laughs> I'm going to end up working, you know, I've already written a bunch of reports for it. Um, JJ and all this guy sort of understood. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do AFL. So I'm going out to Arizona fall league uh, as part of prospects live. Um, and once again, this trip was planned. I didn't know the BA opportunity was coming. Um, it sort of happened and it just turns out that, you know, That'll be my last days of Prospects Live. So I'll be out there from um, a week from today, next Tuesday, the 9th. And uh, I'll fly home late on uh, the following Sunday. So I'll be there for, I guess, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game days. And then Saturday is the Fall Stars game. So I've never been to to Arizona Fall League before. um, So I'm excited to get out there, uh, experience that for the first time. Hopefully, you know, first of many. Um, I'm going to meet up with uh, my new teammate, Josh Norris, out there. And then the 16th, um, so I'll fly back in the 15th and then I guess try and sleep. And then <laughs> the 16th, I start with BA. So, you know, I'm going to get right in. They're obviously in the middle of their book season. Um, so I'm going to get right into the middle of it and really just whatever they want me to do, you know, um, I'm going to give the stock answer here. I mean, I'm just ready to roll. Um, really excited. I think that, you know, the big thing is I've had a day job all seven years of doing this, you know, um, I had a career in sales and, uh, no disrespect. I just really hated sales after a while. <laughs> like I wasn't even bad. It was just one of those things. Like it just, it, it was just the cycle that I was in. And, uh, so I put in my notice yesterday morning at like eight 30 and, uh, you know, 
I went out with a bang and, and, you know, good feelings and I'm helping everybody out and, you know, so no issues there, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to, to go in and say, Hey, I'm taking like my dream job. And, <laughs> and they were kind of like, yeah, there's nothing we can do about that. So, yeah, I mean, um, to be able to do this every day, I know you kind of, you can obviously understand that, but be able to do this every day and just focus on it day in and day out. Um, I really relish and I can't wait to get out to the parks next year and, you know, wherever else this may take me, whether that's, you know, spring training or, uh, you know, out, out to California for the all-star game, whatever it might be. I mean, whatever, whatever I'm allowed to do, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to cover as much as possible, uh, really get into like the, the player development side of the game. So I won't really be doing, you know, any fantasy related content at all. It's going to be, you know, minor league specific stuff. Um, certainly, you know, working through sources and contacts that I've been able to build over the last couple of years and, uh, yeah, just, you know, try to expand it and, just keep doing what I, what I love to do. So I'm, um, I'm so, you know, kind of humbled and, and honored and just uh, relishing the opportunity that I have ahead of me, just being able to look out, you know, 20 years in the future and think I could, you know, still be doing this and be doing it at a high level. Um, that's, that excites me. So, um, you know, I've been doing so much with prospects live. It's been so much in my life. It's like, I've been working two jobs for years. Um, so, regardless of, you know, how hard I work here, I feel like I'm still going to be gaining some time back in terms of like, you know, my personal life and stuff. So, um, you know, I get to work from home uh, out of here and, and, uh, just, you know, live my best life watching baseball, learn about baseball, talking to baseball people and, you know, just focusing on that 365 days a year. So yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that that's, it's one of those jobs. I mean, like you said, it's a, it's a dream job. I mean, so many people, um, you know, work and even if you work hard for a long time and you, um, you know, you deserve a job like that, you're not guaranteed to get one. So, I mean, I'm just mm -hmm. really excited that you got one. I think it's a, a great fit. And I mean, I think you'll be there for a long time if, if you want to be. And I, I think it's also just really cool for prospects live because, um, you know, now, you know, prospects live has, has had guys get hired by big league teams. I mean, now you can say like, you, you know, you work at prospects live, if, if you work really hard and you, you put out really good work, you can get hired by a team, you can get hired by, by baseball America. I mean, I just think that's, it's really cool for everyone. Um, yep. And we got a few guys with full-time jobs with like, um, I know it's not as like glamorous, but you know, sports agencies as well. And those are like legitimate analytics gigs and scouting gigs for some of those guys. It's a great foot in the door in baseball. And we got a lot of kids that went and worked for perfect game, you know, that were on the draft side, like Kyler Peterson. Um, and I still think, you know, he was at the, the UGA Florida series and I think Florida state, I forget who they were playing. And he's still like the best in the business when it comes to, you know, live looks and cameras and he's getting, you know, actual like, center field angles and open face in the same play. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. We've, we've been blessed. We've had a lot of great people come through and it's been a lot of fun, you know? Um, when I started it three years ago, I never anticipated it would build up to this or, you know, we would have the kind of opportunities that we had, you know, it just meet the people we've met and et cetera, et cetera. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a testament to all the good work you guys do. I mean, you're well-respected by big league teams. You're well-respected by everyone else in the industry. So I think you can be really proud of what you, what you built there. Um, I mean, I think it, the PLs and in, in really good hands too. I mean, you got, you still got the, the two mats, you still got Eddie, you still got mm -hmm. the two, the two Joes. I mean, um, 
lot of lot of talent still on board there. Um, yeah, and I think you know young guys too. Um, you know, like Brandon Smith, you're going to see a lot more work from him on like you know the book and the the actual rankings. Um, you know, Jackson, they those two guys, you know, working down in the Cape League for Orleans, and um, you know, I sort of plucked them and and plopped them in there. Um, Will Hoffer, who works in the draft team, Tyler Jennings, and and Ian Smith. I mean, there's still a tremendous amount of like talented people that work, you know, all different angles of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's only gonna get better, but yeah, I mean, Eddie and Smata for the most part have been running the site for the better part of two years. So, you know, I, I just, I just created content. I, I don't make any <laughs> business decisions. <laughs> well, this whole, uh, I mean, this pod kind of came about because Eddie, Eddie Almaguer hit me up uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh asked if i wanted to go on uh your guys pod uh the the patreon pod to to like kind of compare and contrast our sort of end of season ranks and i thought that was an awesome idea so i was like i mean hey we're not going to be able to fit everything into one 60 minute or 90 minute pod so how about we do a pod on on each of our uh, our podcasts and uh, we can kind of talk about a lot of this stuff a lot of you know guys not even necessarily disagreements all the time, but just kind of like, Oh, that, like that one's interesting. You know, like what, what'd you see with that guy? Um, and so this is, this is going to be fun. I, I gave you some names that we're going to talk about. Um, but first of all, can you just kind of break down? So like where, where all these guys are ranked, what is the process? Is this just, is this you, um, Matt and Eddie, like combining three sets of rankings? How, how do these rankings get put together? Yeah. Um, and we have one more, uh, guy, on our team as well. Um, you know, Justin, um, has been working with us for a little bit. I don't know if you know, Justin Dunbar or not. He's at talk MVP on, on Twitter. So he, he really does more like the dynasty side of things. He's really only, you know, like focused on, on fantasy stuff. Um, sort of like Eddie and, you know, Matt and myself are sort of Jack of all trades. Um, but, you know, Eddie and Matt, uh, come up with their own list. Um, Justin has, has his list as well. Um, I sort of went through a different process where, you know, I went through like 500, 600 hitters and I just went through like sort of an exhaustive process of applying, uh, the 2080 scale, um, to a variety of like different metrics. So, um, I looked at chase rate. I looked at, um, walk rate. I looked at max exit velocity. Uh, cause, cause I thought it was the cleanest versus average. Um, cause sometimes you don't actually have like all of the hard hit data on the back end. Like you maybe have 75% of it, but I think that can sometimes skew the average a little bit. So I didn't use that. Um, I have X Woba available to me. I used, I used that as well. Um, and then I use contact rate. So, you know, I just sort of went off of what the minor league average was for each particular level. And, you know, I uh, adjusted that 2080 scale for each level and then applied it um, to each each hitter, because I feel like there's a point where I would hit like fatigue after. We'll say like 200 hitters ranked and it's like, all right, what are the difference and how do I like measure this? So I wanted I've always wanted to sort of take the time to develop a process where, um, you know, I used data that I thought was was good data. Um and then been able to sort of apply it and like measure a variety of skills and then just kind of mash it together and come up with like a composite score. Um, and it wouldn't be everything, right? There's still guys that like 
Bobby Witt Jr. was a little bit lower than he probably should have been, so I had to move him up. There are other guys like that too. Um, C.J. Abrams wasn't really good based on like those metrics, but obviously C.J. Abrams is really talented. So you know he was like 13 for me, but you know like on the list he was like 250. But what it did is it allowed me really is that like chunk of like 200 to like 450, 500 to kind of pick out some other players and and identify some guys that maybe deserved a little bit more recognition um and you know having a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily public kind of helps a little bit too just to measure like all right like maybe this guy doesn't hit the ball in the air a ton but you know he's 17 years old or he's you know 19 years old and his max was like 112 like that's at that age that's double plus so it's like all right that's something to keep an eye on he's got good approach so like you know maybe he can make some swing adjustments and just elevate the ball a little more. He's going to get a little bit stronger, like all that sort of thing. So um, it allowed me to kind of separate those guys out <clears throat> and identify a few guys that really stuck out. One of which was, was Kobe Mayo um, Mayo across the board really stuck out and he can stick at third base long-term. So um, it, it was funny. A lot of these, these Orioles hitters stuck out in sort of that data and evaluation process. And then I kind of, you know, applied, context and my own um biases and and preferences to certain players and move them up and down and create the rank like that but i have like a data-driven um hitters list you know it doesn't have everyone in the minors but it has like you know 500 600 names and you know i think you'd be surprised at some of the names are like adley rushman was number one actually you know which is funny just as a hitter like a, remove the catching element of it but um so my process was a little bit different um, I think it helped me refine a little bit, especially because I was able to look at it at, like the end of the year and then apply it with a much bigger sample size, even for like the short season guys. If I get, you know, 200 plate appearances, that's a decent enough sample for me to kind of, you know, grab some high level takeaways in terms of like plate discipline and like swing decisions and like the ability to get on base or hit the ball hard or just make bat to ball contact. And sort of measure that all against, um, you know, sort of like a metric like x but that's looking at, you know, expected production based upon, you know, a bunch of different sort of hard hit buckets that it drops it into. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It took me probably like three weeks to do the whole thing. Um, and then I went through, like I said, and, and sort of applied my biases. So there were definitely some, some different names and guys that got elevated a little bit more than they would have simply because of like the the skill set and other guys that probably got depressed more than they would have um simply because of looking that and then pitching i'm working on something but it's more complicated because i sort of have like three or four values per pitch and i'm kind of measuring like the, the three best pitches in each pitcher's arsenal um and then kind of giving an overall command grade so i'm still kind of shaking that one out hitters are a little bit easier to kind of take all these different components and mash together so it was a different process that I went through. And I think, you know, um, I identified some guys that maybe I probably wouldn't have been in on and, you know, caused me to go back and watch tape and sort of dig in a little bit deeper um, with just some of the analytics and stuff that we have, uh, you know, at our fingertips. So um, it was different, you know, than, than I think other processes I've done over like the last six or seven years. I've done stuff like this with MLB draft lists. I, I haven't done it with um, an overall like prospect list before. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, it, it does kind of show up. Like, I mean, so my, my process, like when it, when we're talking about in season ranks and really, you know, um, off season ranks as well, like I'm not looking at anyone else's list, uh, like a top 400, top 500, uh, top 100. Uh, I will look at top thirties, um, you know, BA's top thirties uh, yep. for teams and your, your guys top thirties for teams, just to kind of make sure I'm not like completely overlooking someone that sure. some, some <laughs> sites got in like the teens or the twenties or something like that. Um, but I, you know, I try to avoid like full top four hundreds, top five hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I, I think my process kind of works better when I do that. And I, I hate it when I feel like some sort of outside influence crept in and then that leaded to me being wrong about a guy that I was right on. I'd rather just be wrong yeah. on my own. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that, that brings me to uh, the first guy I want to talk about. And uh, this O'Neill Cruz um, with the pirates, obviously he actually is, is someone who, it took me by surprise when I was doing um, Chris Welsh's uh, P1 ADP mocks, you know, sort of how high Cruz was going. And then I listened to Welsh uh, do a podcast and he he was like, yeah, Cruz is going really high. And in a lot of these, um, it just took me by surprise. I didn't, I just didn't realize that people had him kind of in that range and you guys have him like kind of in that exact range, you know, just outside the top 10. Um, Mm. I, I don't really have an issue with it necessarily i mean I, I totally buy it but i guess it it took me by surprise and um i wonder if you could maybe just kind of expand on sort of why you think o'neill cruz belongs um sort of where you guys have him and where kind of the honestly the industry industry consensus seems to be that he's you know at least a top 20 prospect for for dynasty yeah, and I think he's he's a fascinating prospect, right? <clears throat> um, he's six foot seven, six foot six, depending upon you know what listing you read. But he's not like chubby. He's not you know like a big body. He's super no. athletic, um, sort of you know uh, twitchy, sort of you know thin, sort of wiry strength. Um, but he's got a ton of power in the bat. I mean, you know, you're talking about like. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge type max exit velocities, like 120. I mean, he did it in the majors, but I mean, he had a ball, a batted ball above 120 that I believe was the hardest hit, hardest hit ball. It was either him or Trey Cabbage had the hardest hit ball in the minors this year. And um, he consistently gets up to like those sort of, you know, like max exit velocities. The numbers are, are pretty dramatic. Um, you know, his, his 90th percentile is like 110. His 75th percentile is like 105. Um, so there's like, there's legitimately like, if you want to put an 80 on his juice, I don't think you're wrong. Um, well, I mean, that, that's that's been, that's been like kind of a thing though, for like a couple of years with him though. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, ha- like he's, he's had these sort of just absolutely elite max exit velocities um, dating back to like 2019, I believe mm-hmm. it, it, Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. And you know, I think you know, on top of that, sort of building off of that, um, he's got an average on base guy. Um, he's an average chase guy. So he likes to expand a little bit, but it's not anything that's out of control. 
Um, it's about a 30%. So chase or O swing, same difference, um, which is, you know, like a 45 more or less. Um, but, you know, average is about, I think, 28%. So like it's kind of within that that average range. He's about a 70% contact hitter. Um, it's been higher at points, you know, throughout the season. He's been 74, 75, and had a cold streak, whatever. It dropped down a little bit. But, um, you know, overall, the numbers are just really good. He doesn't have any split issues. Um, you know, his, his Woba on the season was 380, 398 against righties, uh, 432 against lefties. And then his ex Woba, 360 against righties, uh, 342 against lefties. Um, you know, and just across the board, the numbers are just really good. And I think, you know, his plate coverage, his athleticism, he does steal bases. He moves pretty well. Um, I think he's ready for the major leagues. There's nothing really other than um, control <laughs> and contract issues. And we'll see if that changes with the new CBA. Um, he could be up really early next season and playing, you know, a significant role. Um, with the Pirates, and I think he can hit enough and get on base enough. He's got enough power that when he does make contact, uh, he does damage, and it's not like he's you know an awful swing and miss type. So, um, I think you know, Cruz overall, uh, for me is is relatively safe, but you get you get a lot of that upside too. Um, so he's he's one of my favorite prospects. So I, I have him in the top 10, I have him eighth overall. I think Matt Thompson was the highest, he actually has him fourth. Um, so we definitely believe in, you know, uh, lefty power bat like that, that has that kind of plate coverage. Um, and, and also has Twitch. He's just, he's sort of, he's just a special player, you know, and I have a couple analysts like there with teams that are obsessed with Cruz as well. Um, there's just, you know, some stuff in terms of max exit velocities and, um, you know, batted ball profile and then actual production, um, that he just, he ranks really highly. Uh, within a lot of these different metrics. Do you think max exit velocity is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Um, it's probably a touch overrated, frankly. Um, I, especially at the major league level, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's more about, for me, it's mostly about, like, swing decisions and things that I weigh most highly. Um because I think that power can come about from that. And then there's sort of, you know, bat path stuff. Um, you know, if you're you're highly optimized, like an Alex Bregman or like Nick Gonzalez is like that. Um, you know, I think I think you can you can hit for power without having you know elite strength. But I also think that elite strength, you know, allows you even when you hit a ball, you know, uh, you know, sort of the wrong way, like a mistake. Um you can still power it out. <laughs> Those guys aren't, you know, lefty power like that is, is rare. And especially a guy that's, I think undersold a little bit as a middle infielder, but, you know, kind of getting back to the max exit velocity thing. I think for prospects, it's, it's a great number to look at because they don't, there's a lot more mishits, especially at the lower levels that it kind of shows you. All right, this is where the raw power is. And I think it's a pretty easy way to identify, you know, raw power and what someone can project out to um you know if the contact skills are good enough if the bat the bat path is good enough to get into it um but even if it's a guy that hits a lot of hard line drives like i'm okay with that you know what do you if i told you um o'neill cruz was gonna have a adam dunn career and that's kind of a 
I'm using that comp just because I think it's funny because they're like Adam Dunn's probably like a hundred pounds heavier than O'Neill Cruz, even though Cruz <laughs> might be taller. But like if, if he had that type of career where he's just kind of, you know, like two thirty to two sixty with a ton of homers, is that do you think that's kind of like a median outcome or would that be like a high end outcome? If he had that amount of homers, I would say that's an incredibly high end outcome for the homers. Cause I think he's got, you know, better he's going to be a better batting average guy than that. I mean, he hasn't really been like a 30% like whiff guy throughout his career. Um, and he's relatively fast, you know, I mean, he stole 18 bases this year on what 20, 21 attempts. Um, so I would think he's going to run a higher batting average on balls and play. Cause he hits the ball so hard and, you know, has that speed. Um, from a batting average standpoint. So I, I think that would be a disappointment from like a batting average standpoint, but looking at it from like a fantasy angle. Um, I think from the overall production, I, I wouldn't, I think they'd be all right. I just, I just think he's a lot twitchier than Dunn and Dunn had I mean, Dunn was like, just super strong and like optimized for power, you know, it's absolute donkey. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do with Cruz on my, my next update. Um, like the, I keep having flashbacks to Alec Bohm because that, that was like the last guy that I really surprised me with, with where he was going in these, these P1 ADP mocks. And I ended up bumping Bohm up, but I do think there's a much stronger case that I'm way too low on Cruz. He's twitchier. Um, like I think he's right. just he's more he's more high upside. We're like Bohm Bohm was really good for you know the short season and then this year was just absolutely horrific. It was like everything fell out of sync again. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I, I think um and I had I had Brett Sayer on last week and um he was you know kind of talking uh about how he doesn't like to like buy into stereotypes with guys and I am a big stereotype guy when it comes to um, prospects and that might not be a good thing. Um, it's, it's basically just, it's something that I, I don't know if I need to fight it or if it's just kind of natural, but like, you know, you, you inevitably um, are just going to look at a, a ton of different players and be like, yeah. this guy reminds me of this guy. This guy reminds me of like this type of, this type of player. Um, and that, that's what makes Cruz such a challenging guy for me is like there's just he doesn't look like anyone really who's had no. success um he doesn't look like anyone I he mean, doesn't look like anyone who's like failed really either um, and i don't want to say it like this but there are some shades in terms of like being a freak athlete with unique abilities that there's some questions as to like whether he's a shortstop or not um but the skills offensively are like loud it's like Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't think he's going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. like at all, but it's like, he's super twitchy like that. And he's like a freak body and he does freaky things that like he hits pitches. Other people don't hit and he hits them well. Um, and like, I think that's why like, I'm okay with him expanding the zone a little bit and having some of those aggressive tendencies. Cause he bounces them well. And he has that freakish ability that between the speed and the power, he can kind of make up for mistakes, you know? Um, and I think there's no reason for him not to give him a shot at shortstop. Like he, you're going to have Cabrian Hayes over there. So he's not going to have to cover as much ground, <laughs> you know, and I don't know what they'll do at second. They have a lot of options, but 
Um, it could be a really exciting left side of the infield, actually, in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I... I was kind of talking about this on Twitter uh, last week. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand why people still think like the pirates are run by the same no. um, guys that made the worst trade of our lifetime. Probably, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you can maybe include Rick Hahn and Fernando Tatis in that mix too, but like, sure. at least Rick Hahn had a, a winning team um, without Fernando Tatis, like, you know, to show for it, he had Eloy and Tim Anderson and Luis Froward yeah. and, and all that stuff. I mean, this is yeah. a completely different front office. They've done things very well, in my opinion, since taking over. Uh, they weren't in charge of getting crews, but I mean, they, they probably deserve a little bit of credit in how he's developed over the last year or so. Yeah. So. I mean, it, you know, it was touch and go coming into the season because he had the, the whole mystery of that, that, but- um, vehicular homicide yeah, yeah. and you know whether he was drunk and then it was like he wasn't drunk it was then the story that i heard was like apparently you know there was some sort of extortion attempt or something like that in a motorcycle i have no idea so i'm not going to comment on it completely but obviously whatever it was he was exonerated and he's here in the united states and he's been playing so i think that hurt him a little bit coming into the year and then he was injured i think it was like late may he missed a few weeks um and then took a little while to get going again and then he did and i mean just he looked great that was a really fun team that altoona team too it was just loaded you know up and down the lineup with really talented guys that i think could potentially be major leaguers so um that was like an automatic watch for me if i was home and looking for a game to tune in on um but yeah i think getting back to your larger point it's you know it's the same organization the same people running the show here are the same guys that built the 108 win Boston Red Sox or right. Cause Dombrowski made some trades and put them over the top, but really like the core of that team was drafted by Charrington. And then he went to Toronto and helped build up the core of that team. And now he's here. So if there's it, like, I, 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 I think it's funny when people bring up like them or Baltimore is the worst run organizations. Um, I didn't comment on it. I think I have some opinions and I think they might fly in the face of some people's perspectives just because you had a good like major league team for a year or two doesn't necessarily mean that you're like an incredibly one real well-run organization you can go from you know a playoff team to out of the playoffs very quickly with a few bad decisions so uh and, and no development pipeline behind it you know yeah I, I mean i will comment that i would have the pirates as a top 15 org and i think they have a no doubt top three system and that's with me being like significantly lower just from where I have him ranked on O'Neill Cruz than most people. So, um, you know, I think they're building an absolute monster. Uh, hopefully they don't sign like Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval to huge deals. I don't think um, so. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's move on to, I want to talk about Hunter green because like you and I text about pitchers all the time. Um, we, I don't think we've ever talked about Hunter green, uh, you know, everyone knows about the velocity. What does your data say on Hunter Green's pitches? You know, like, what are we talking about here? How would you um, describe um, sort of the strengths and weaknesses of his repertoire? Because you guys have him uh, as your your third-ranked pitching prospect, um, kind of, you know, in the in the top 30 overall which I, you know, I don't really have any huge issues with, but that's quite a bit higher than I have him, but um, I'd love to hear like kind of what you got on, on Hunter Green. 
Yeah, and I was the high man on Hunter Green. I have Hunter Green 21. Um, Justin had him 41. Matt has him 32. Eddie has him 29. Um, I just really like the the modern pitch mix. I like the athleticism. His body's filled out really well. I mean, 6'5", 230, and it's like <laughs> – it's like a tight end, you know, um, you know, big old white out, go out in the, in the end zone, sort of grab it kind of body. Right. Or like a small forward. I mean, he is um, just, you know, an excellent athlete uh, moves really well on the mounds. He's extra strong. So he holds his velocity. Um, you know, he averaged 99.4 on his fastball this year. Uh, high was uh, he hit 104 supposedly. Um, but his low was 97 in terms of throwing his four seam fastball. Uh, good, good spin on it. Um, pretty close to one o'clock tilt, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, the spin axis. Um, you know, the shape is really good. Uh, he averages around uh, 18 inches of induced vertical break. If you don't know what that is, that's, uh, you know, just in terms of movement toward the plate. Think about plate height, how it comes in. Um, it has rides, so it doesn't drop as much as like a sinker might drop. Um, or like a curveball, which would have like a negative IVB. So it has that ride. It sort of sits on plane. Um, what that allows him to do is have a really flat vertical approach angle. He's just that he's kind of on the, the cusp of like the elite, you know, vertical approach angle guys like a Joe Ryan is one of those. Uh, Jake DeGrom is one of those. Garrett Cole is one of those. But he's not that far off. He's 4.5 um, degrees. Uh, anything below five is good. Uh, 4.5 is really, really good. It's like Shane Boz, uh type of fastball. So he gets that that low um, so, sort of vertical approach angle. So it kind of comes in flat of the hand, kind of a vis a fastball. And he's whipping that thing in there at 99 miles an hour, around 2,400 RPMs of raw spin. It's relatively efficient, which is why he gets that 18 inches of vertical break. And it gets about 10 inches of, of horizontal break as well. So it's a really good fastball. He throws it for a strike around 70% of the time. Um, and he uses it a lot, but I, you know, I think it's um, a bit above average in terms of swing and miss um, doesn't drives a fair amount of weak contact. And he comes in with a slider and um, he gets the slider in zone. He throws a slider really hard. Um, if you've listened to me at all, talk about pitching breaking balls for me. I, I don't care so much about the shape that is great for the, the gifts and, and, the, and, the, you know, on Twitter, it looks beautiful. Give me a guy that throws a slider at 88 miles an hour. And that's exactly what Hunter Green does. You know, it sits, you know, 86, 87 at its lowest, but mostly like 88, 89. He'll run the thing up to 92, 93 miles per hour. Um, you know, it, it has relatively good shape. A little bit of sweep, a little bit of sweep. Um, not a whole lot of drop at all, um, but he throws it really hard. That pitch will work that way. Um, he's got, you know, 46, 47% whiff rate on the pitch and for a slider, he's getting that whiff rate while getting it in zone about 65% of the time, which is a like, that's excellent command of, of a slider. Um, and the fact that he throws it hard and throws it for strikes that works, um, changeup came along this year. Uh, he actually had his best numbers against, against the changeup, you know, 177 Woba against it, 180 X Woba. So Expected numbers back it up. Doesn't throw it for a strike a whole lot. That's kind of what the issue is with the changeup. Is he still gain, gaining feel for it? The shape is kind of whatever, um, but it's got good separation from the fastball. Um, so as that pitch continues to grow, 
Um, I think he's a guy that uh, you know can dominate. And the thing is about his two pitch mix is because he doesn't have like a super sweepy slider. Um, it's less prone to have split issues. And because he has that like plus velocity or plus plus velocity on the slider, it will play as like sort of a gyro pitch out of the hand and he locates it well. So that's going to work against righties and lefties, um, which is why he didn't really have to throw the change up that well. So it's just two elite pit pitches. And when you think about, you know, he's, he's, he's just turned 22 in August. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of time uh, in terms of, you know, actual pro experience because of the Tommy John and the missed season, he looked awesome this year. And he looks like he's on the cusp of potentially being in the major leagues and, uh, you know, still has one of the pe- the best pitching dev organizations in baseball, and particularly at the major league level. They have great instruction on the pitching side. So um, believing in the organization, the talent of the player, and some really unique characteristics in his fastball and his slider that um, – I think fall into my preferences. So when we talk about preferences and the kind of guys that you gravitate toward, I like guys that have really good fastballs and, um, you know, have a breaking pitch that they throw hard and, and green falls into both those buckets. So maybe I'm a little higher on them than I should be, but um, I think that's a guy that could potentially develop into an ACE. Your fourth ranked pitching prospect <clears throat> over at prospects live is a guy who you mentioned in passing just now, Joe Ryan, um, he is your guy, and I give you the floor to explain why you're so high on Joe Ryan. Yeah, and this is a, another great fastball. Um, so, you know, the shape isn't tremendous, but um, he's got a 4.1 vert- uh, vertical approach angle. So really, really flat approach angle in terms of where it comes in. His arm action sort of plays it up as well. Uh, so it's really difficult for the batter, and I've talked to guys that have faced Ryan, it's really difficult for them to pick up the fastball out of the hand. And he doesn't have to throw the slider or the changeup or his curveball that frequently. But when he does, he can kind of steal strikes and really keep guys off balance. It's just such a unique fastball that um, throws it in zone a ton. He's 72% strike rate, which is really high. I mean, that's like a, a plus strike rate. Um 28, 29% whiff rate on a fastball is, is pretty much plus. Um, and he has those unique characteristics, you know, a um, little bit lower slot, you know, with a, with a tilt, it's not super high velocity. It's not super high spin. He doesn't have uh, a ton of IVB. It's just sort of the orientation out of his hands and the way that the ball plays um, really flat on plane, I think just makes him super unique. So, I think it's going to be able to work for, for a long time. Um, and he's not going to have to, and it's a super, you know, e- easy motion. So I don't think he's going to have to put a ton of strain in his arm. He's not going to be throwing as many breaking balls. And I just think he kind of, you know, hucks his fastball in there and um, it's just a, a special pitch. So um, I think success will continue for him. I mean, is he a, is he a number, you know, is he a number two? Maybe I think that's kind of what the upside is. I don't think he's an ace, um, but I think he's a guy that right now in a fantasy league is going to give you innings next year. And in dynasty, I think chasing that a little bit more in terms of a guy that like, Hey, this guy can go out there and give me five or six innings for a full season. And he can do it for five or six years. And we'll see if he gets better or worse. I think you really got to do that a lot. Like you look at some of the hitting the the pitching prospects that hit, it's not always the big names. I mean, (laughs) You know, I, 
a few years ago, I was, you know, I mentioned how I thought Mackenzie Gore was one of the best pitching prospects I've ever covered. And now I'm kind of like, you know, if he's not, doesn't have the control and command that he had. And, you know, he's got to change his, you know, just de- de- septic, you know, the de- deception on his, on his motion, like secondaries aren't as good. All of a sudden everything plays down Forrest Whitley, you know, doesn't always work. I, mean, I saw I mean, Matt that, Moore this year in AAA. That that exact <laughs> comment um, you're referring to about Mackenzie Gore led to me going back and like ranking um, like the best pitching prospects uh, I can recall, and yeah. it's like maybe a fifty percent hit rate, and yeah. a lot of the time it's two or three years of just really terrible performance before it becomes a hit. Like if if we're talking about like Lucas Giolito or something like that, um, so. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I've been preaching that for a while now. Like, I mean, a guy like you know, I'm I'm not quite as high on Ryan as you are, but I mean, there's some of the pitching prospects I'm highest on. Um, you know, they're not huge pedigree guys. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not guys that are going to be on the cover of Baseball America or anything like that. But they're guys who are are close to the majors. And uh, they're guys that you can get value from right away. And then, you know, as long as there's enough there that you like, um, just that proximity factor. And like you said, I mean, a guy can get better. A guy can just be better than people thought he was going to be. Um, and that's that just carries a lot of weight uh, on the pitching prospect side of yeah. things. Um, we're going to talk about uh, one guy who I might just – straight up copy your guys rank of him Um, but first we're gonna head to a quick message from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor of Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. 
Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. All right. So the guy who's ranking, <clears throat> I was really jealous of, and uh, this, you know, this is part of why I, I like I don't like looking at at lists is. <laughs> Like if if I just knew, oh, like Prospects Live is gonna put Kobe Mayo at thirty two, um, I'd probably be like, well, I mean, I gotta have him at least in the thirties, um, because I I love Kobe Mayo, and in Welsh's uh you know mocks, I was like, I'm probably gonna end up with Kobe Mayo in this round, and it was like, no, you're not you're not getting Kobe Mayo, um, and now I know why because you guys were were pumping him up. Um, you know, I, I don't really have any issues with really anything he, he did, um, this past season. I think, like you said, um, earlier, I mean, I think he just absolutely, uh, checked, checked pretty much all the boxes for me and unlike a lot of these O's prospects, um, he wasn't, you know, like to me, like Colton Kowser, you know, he, he hasn't, he still hasn't played at an age appropriate level. Adley Rutschman, I think should have been as just from a hitting standpoint, he's been big league ready for a long time. Um, but Kobe Mayo was playing exactly where you'd think a, a teenager of his pedigree would play. And he f- kept forcing the issue. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing with him is, um, you know, it's a, it's a big body. He's, he's six foot five, two fifteen. I don't think the steals are going to stick around. No. Um, but you know, it, <laughs> we'll see. It's um, a good body. It's a good body though. It's like a good relative body. to where he yeah. was as a prep and where you thought it might be at this stage. I, I think it's where it's, it's, it's absolutely, you know, perfect for third base and he's, he's going to stick there. The glove is fine. Big arm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think he's, you know, probably, you know, perfect, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the physicality side of things, he's got huge strength I and mean, his max exit velocities were above 110, almost 111. Um, you know, he's a 77, uh, 76, 77% contact guy. His chase is plus he had 20% chase rate. Uh, and that's kind of held standard. Even once he made the, the jump to the full season level, um, you know, he's a plus walk rate guy, 13% walk rate that kind of held steady. Um, so, you know, there's power, there's contact, there's excellent swing decisions, good approach and on base ability. Um, there's really not a, in, in a future position at, a, you know, um, a spot where I think, you know, there's still a lot of value, you know, third base. So I think this could be a potential star in the making. Um, and I think we look back on that draft where they spread and they did the same this year. Where they spread a lot of money around. And I still think, you know, um, Kerstat can be an, an excellent player and could be a potential star. Um, I think Mayo might be the key to this draft. They're going to look back and say that was smart. You know, they, they, you know, bagged Mayo up um, in the fourth round for, you know, an overslot. And yeah, <laughs> that was a real deal player. That was a great move on their part. Um, and I like Kowser too. Um, I thought he held his own, you know, um, at an eight ball level. And, you know, he, 
didn't hit a ton of homers number wise, but um, the power was showing up a little bit. And I think that's going to continue to come. He's still got some projectability, that six, three frame, you know, um, he's going to add muscle and add strength. And uh, there's one current that's kind of like common throughout all of these Orioles prospects and hitters. They've taken the last few drafts, really good swing decisions. They don't like guys that chase. They don't care if you swing and miss in the zone a little bit, but if you have power, you get on base and you don't chase. They like you. You know, Jordan Westberg is exactly like that. Um, Gunnar Henderson is like that. Um, you know, to a degree, Adley's like that. Kowser, you know, obviously has the elite bat-to-ball skills, but um, also makes incredible swing decisions. And the same thing with Mayo. So they have a type that they chase. And um, I think they're on to something here. And it's something that I value a lot, too, is guy that doesn't expand the zone a lot you know, and can get on base. If he's got power, he's going to hit his homers and that's fine. That's going to work. You know, um, that approach will translate into success more often than not because batting average, we, we both know it's kind of fluky, right? I mean, you can be the best contact guy in the, the, the world and just things aren't falling one year and you hit 270 or something, you know, where on base guys, you know, guys that walk a lot, that's much more consistent and this day and age, I'm playing in points and on base percentage leagues. If I'm playing in anything, I don't play in too many standard like five by five leagues any longer. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys have Kowser, um inside the top fifty, which uh, kind of made me second guess where where I've got him. I mean, I I uh, wonder about the power. I mean, where where do you do you just kind of say like, look, like he everything else is good, like chances are he'll he'll eventually get to you know 20 25 homers is that kind of where you're at on him yeah i think when we look at some of the numbers and like there's some stuff like that i could dig in on that like you know um horizontal swing plane and some of that stuff um he's got a really good swing plane and i think he's got like excellent um you know back control so he he adjusts well the different pitch heights um so there's really nowhere that that you can kind of bang Kowser. i mean he's pretty much like 85 percent plus in every single part like excuse me quadrant of the strike zone i mean his his heat map is just nothing but heat you know um so he has that i mean his his chase rate was 15 percent. he never expands um you know he's a 83 percent contact guy which is very much like hard plus um big on base percentage guy you know he was in college too um this is a guy that you know at at sam houston state is probably the easily the best hitter in the conference um you know had a had a 490 on base percentage you know and he hits for some power i mean 680 slug and you know he had 16 homers so it's not like it's not there his max exit velocities are 109 109 plus i think like i said that's going to add uh, he's going to add that a little bit and he's going to move really quickly because he can play all three outfield spots. Um, you know, he can he can run a little bit. He's a pretty good stolen base guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be elite, but let's say he chips in 12 or 13 steals. Uh, and he's going to go to that ballpark and, you know, he's he's going to mash. Um, you know, whether you're I – mean, he's lefty, but whether you're righty or lefty, I mean, camping yards down the line is a great park to hit in. And uh, – I think I think Cows is going to feast there, and he's going to be part of a good young lineup. You know, they're going to have a lot of these guys coming up over the next couple of years, and they've built a lot of depth of like potential, you know, major league 
guys, whether they're second division regulars or average regulars. They have a couple on the major league squad right now. Um, Adley should be up in, in short order. You know, Kyle Stowers is, you know, a pretty good bat. Um, you know, there's a collection of others. Ryan Mountcastle, obviously, you know, rookie of the year type player uh, this year. And, you know, Kowser should move pretty quick too. So I, I don't think it's going to be a bad lineup. Um, and it's a great ballpark to hit in. Um, division of really good ballparks. So <laughs> I, th- I think, I think you know, this could be pretty good for a, a good a good hitter in the AL East. I think the reason why I'm like like I just I with Kowser like what like how much does it actually matter what like a guy who turns 22 this offseason does at low A like I mean that's sort of where I'm at with like a lot of these college draftees when they come in hmm. like are we learning a ton like we're learning something it's it's data I mean it's like we're learning stuff about guys in the AFL right now, but like I think people maybe overrate how much we're learning. Yeah, um, I think so. and those I just, environments are like pumped up. Like I when when you take like our you know everyone would have said Kowser is probably what like a five one of the five best college hitters in that class. Yeah, like you send him to low A, like yeah. don't you kind of expect him to rake at low A? I guess. Yeah, is, is... yeah, I think you know I expected him to rake, but I think the under for me it wasn't even the slash line that sort of thing. I'm lo- I'm looking at the underlying stuff that he's doing. And, um, you know, I think even if you're an advanced college player, you know, you can get a little aggressive sometimes because, you know, if you're that much better than the competition, it seems like it's very obvious from watching him. And then, you know, also obviously digging into some of the numbers that he's got a plan every time he goes up there. And uh, I just tend to gravitate toward guys like that, that, you know, I think have some portion of, of hitting figured out and, uh, I think he gets underrated a little bit. You know, if he was an SEC guy and he hit, you know, 18 homers there um, and had like one, you know, max exit velocity was like 114 or something, I think maybe he might be viewed a little bit differently. But, um, you know, he went fifth overall in a good draft and and um, at least at the top, you know, in the rest of the draft, whatever. But, you know, there were 12 or 13 really good prospects that went in this draft at the top. And, you know, he belonged there. I mean, maybe fifth was higher than a lot of people had anticipated, but it was a it was a draft that was short on sure thing college hitters that could have projectable power, and you know he kind of gave him that. So, so I want to talk about these next two guys like together because I think they they have some similarities. Um, Stephen Kwan uh, with Cleveland and Vinny Pasquantino with Kansas City. Uh, you know, if, if we were just kind of looking at you know, just your basic sort of fan graph statistics, mm-hmm. um, like pretty unassailable for both guys. Like if you were just going to go say like, I'm going to go look at fan graphs and try to figure out who the best prospects are without knowing anything about any prospects, like anything about a guy's pedigree, anything about, yep. you know, whatever. I think Stephen Kwan and Vinny Pasquantino would jump out. I mean, you know, contact rate, um, control of the zone uh like where they hit the ball how yeah. often they hit the ball like i mean they, they check all those boxes but um you know i haven't seen a ton of people sort of buy in on pasquantino to the extent you have you guys have and i like this hot take from eddie almager uh of stephen kwan being a top 60 prospect for dynasty but i think he is 
uh, out on an island with that one. Um, Probably. But I, but I don't like. I don't have a. Well, like this is what he's doing that is going to prevent him from having success, type of thing. Um, what do you guys like? Sort of, you know, what kind of gives you guys this level of sort of confidence in Quan and Pasquantino being legit? When I think a lot of people are just kind of like, look, this guy. I mean, these guys weren't total pop-up guys, right? Like both guys like had a little bit of a rep in their orgs coming into the season. Hmm. Um, but I think now they're sort of more, you know, they're, they're rostered in every dynasty league right now, yeah. um, or at least serious ones. So like what kind of has you sort of leading the charge on those two guys? Yeah. So Quan's quick. I mean, Quan is one of these guys where um, the average and the on-base ability had always been there in spades. It was there at Oregon State. I mean, he was in the team with with Adley and Nick Madrigal. And um, so we knew that, but he had never hit for power. Um, you know, prior to this, you know, he had a, over 130 minor league games and had three homers, um, you know, this year, um, you know, I think in a little bit over 75 games. Um, had 13 homers and it wasn't, um, I actually mentioned this to Alex Chamberlain on one of the threads he put out a couple weeks ago. Um, but he didn't like max out in terms of the max, like the max exit velocities jumped like a mile per hour or two. Um, what changed was his horizontal swing planes and his max exit velocities to his pull side, um, in his launch angle. So it was very clear that his launch angle buckets were more in like the five to 15, 15 to 25 range than sort of outside of that. Um, you know, the higher side, anything over like 35 to like 45 is bad. So um, there was sort of none of that, you know, cause he's not a guy that sells out a ton for power, but what he's doing is he made some mechanical adjustments where um, he's using his lower half a little bit differently. He's getting really like deep into that foot stomp. Um, what it's allowing him to do is get on plane a lot quicker. Um, and when you're on plane, you know, it's not necessarily like swinging down or swinging up on the ball, but like staying directly on plane and square. When you have excellent back control, like Quan, it's easy to optimize. We've seen this from a lot of guys that were like this in the minor leagues over the last five or six years. You know, Daniel Murphy was sort of one, Justin Turner is another, um, even like Jose Ramirez, who was like a huge contact and like, mm-hmm um uh on base and 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 batting average guy kind of optimized we'll say his launch angle but it really isn't it's just more to you know his attack angle um and his timing and was able to catch stuff out front um you know when people look at blast motion data so those little knobby things in the bottom of bats you're seeing probably in afl right now um one of the things they look at is early connection so when you know how sometimes it's too early but there's sort of a point where if you can connect in front of the ball, you're much more likely to, you know, be able to drive that ball to your pull side. Quan is a guy that's been able to optimize that and he has all those other tools backing it. So I just feel like he's a guy that for me is really safe. He's going to go up to the major leagues. He's going to be able to hit for contact and he's, and he's got control. Like he has sort of an elite skill (laughs) that separates him. And, um, you know, I think, I think for that reason, you know, I'm, I'm in, it's, it's not going to be a, a ton of steals, but let's say he's stealing once again, nine to like 12, 13 bags hitting for a really high average. And even if it's like teens homers, that's a valuable guy at the top of a lineup that can score a lot of runs. So I think he could be an interesting sort of leadoff type hitter. And he has that sort of baseline, um, 
skill set. So that's sort of my takeaway with Quan. Um, I mean, he's he's got a 92% contact rate. I mean, he never misses, but he also doesn't swing a ton. You know, sub 40% swing rate, um, doesn't chase like ever, pretty high walk rate guy. So he just makes like, he sees the ball as well as anybody. Um, and, you know, he just has sort of elite an elite hitting skill in terms of, you know, back control and being able to optimize his timing and his swing um, and being able to drive a little bit more. So he talked about it a little bit. You can find some stuff on it. Um, I think Indians prospectus had covered it and, and you know, um, Cleveland insider. Um, so both of those, I think have talked a little bit about some of the adjustments that Quan had made, if you want to dig in on Twitter. Um, but the numbers back it. Um, as for Pasquatino, it's crazy. The numbers are really good. Um, you know, does all the things I like, makes a lot of contact. He hits for power, um, gets on base. He makes good swing decisions. Um, and even the, the numbers were obviously great this year. But it's crazy because his it, Woba's 402. His expected Woba was 410. So he actually underperformed his expected numbers, which I think is just an absolutely crazy thing to hear um doesn't sell out for power but you know his max exit velocities almost 117 like 116.7 so i mean that's that's elite um you know average exit velocity if you want to go there because this is upper minors i trust a little bit more not you know 90.1 um so he's got he's got plus juice um he's a good contact hitter uh it's you know left-handed hitting left-handed throwing first baseman um, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think Kansas city has some decisions when it comes to Pasquatino and what they want to do, because I think he's pretty much major league ready. Um, is he going to be a superstar? Probably not, but you know, there's, there's a lack of good fantasy first baseman that provide average on base percentage and power. And, uh, I think Pasquatino can do that. And hopefully, you know, I think he can play enough first base that, you know, whether he's a long-term DH or whatever, that's fine. Um, but I very much believe in the bat, really smart player, smart hitter, really good, uh, tough at bats. He's a tough out. Uh, and anybody that walks that much doesn't chase hits for contact and can crush a mistake, you know, 450 feet. Um, that's a fearsome guy. So, um, I like Pasquatino a lot. I have a funny comp on him. Two players are very different in terms of athletic ability, but I think his come up isn't all that different from like Goldschmidt where we didn't rank Goldschmidt all that highly uh, as a prospect. And he really had a lot of these qualities and then outperformed. Of course, Goldie could steal 20 bases and was a phenomenal first baseman, way different body and athlete. But just in terms of in the box, I think they provide a lot of the same values, a lot of the same qualities of contact power and on base ability. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys who go from just, you know, supremely underranked to being really good are those first base types. Yeah. That the, the main like prospect lists, like for real life, just, you know, they just don't care about first baseman unless you were like a top 15 pick in the draft, basically. Um, <laughs> but stuff. yeah, right. Um, I want to ask you about Garrett Mitchell. Uh, we don't really disagree at all. I don't think about where we have him ranked. I just am really, fascinated with him in terms of a guy that we were we have to rank again this offseason because i mean tell me if you think i'm wrong but like i think he just needs to completely overhaul his swing at this point because it's kind of 
been the and this is this was even stuff that was happening at high a when his numbers were it happened to ucla right no yeah like (laughs) it's like when when he got drafted everyone was like well look he like he's got this raw power in batting practice but he hits the ball on the ground like all the time in games like he doesn't get to his tools in games really um and it you know for him to have been as bad as he was at double a to me I, I think he's just a really tough guy to rank because uh, the physical tools versus what he can bring to the game right now, hmm. uh, there's just such a big gap there. Where do you have him, by the way? I got him at like 95. Okay. So you're actually lower on him than even I am at this point. But I, I mean, um, he's definitely like... I have him 64 I, I, and I thought it was like, I was trying... Honestly, I could have had him at a, <laughs> at 140. I just, I, I felt like... I felt like like that was one of those times where I was like, I don't want to crush the guy too much because I think the industry is still fairly high on him. So like I buried him like at the back end of the top 100. He's still a freak athlete. I mean, you know, 116 max exit velocity can run. Um, I think if you've seen him swing a bat, you know, lefty power once again, um, he looks really good, right? He looks like he should be great. But another on-base percentage guy, that's good. Doesn't chase a lot, that's good. Um, swing and miss though is, you know, he's about a... a 70% or so contact hitter. It's been lower than that uh, at points too. Um, and he yeah. way overperformed his expected numbers. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think he's, I think he's one of these guys that he could still be a superstar. Like he's got that upside. So I don't want to write that off, but at the same time, um, there's some questions as to if he can really hit, like if he's, it's, he doesn't seem to be in control is like kind of what I'm saying. You know? It's like the, it's the combination of the strikeout issues and the, you know, the inability to drive the ball in, in game. Like, cause I, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have to rework the swing at all. And he just ends up being like a, a Carl Crawford type or something like that. And like mm-hmm. a best case scenario. Um, but I just, I don't think he's going to make contact uh, enough to, to be that. No. So I, I just, I think it's just fascinating what the brewers do. I mean, you know, if you want to convince a player to, to, change some things you can kind of point to what he did at double a and be like you know we're, we're worried that this might happen again if we don't do something <laughs> um but uh you know moving on to like some sort of quicker hits um i was surprised at how high you guys were on evan carter owen casey and aaron zavala uh carter and zavala both in the rangers system um casey's with the cubs obviously uh not you know to me, like there's basically there could be a tier from like 90 to 160. Like, so like you guys having oh, yeah. them in, in the nineties and me having them, you know, 70 to like a hundred spots lower than that. Yeah. It's not as big of a gap as it might look like, but uh, obviously you guys put them there um, for a reason. I mean, you wouldn't, mm. you didn't have to put those guys as high as you did. So like, w- give me sure. a quick hit on all three. Yeah. Of those um, I think a lot of it comes down to a, a running theme with a, a lot of what I look at and Carter, super young, really projectable body, six, four, he's only like one ninety, and he can, he's going to add good strength onto that. So he's a good athlete center fielder. Um, you know, bats left throws, right. Kind of that perfect profile. Um, contact is, is, you know, pretty good. Um, he's an above average contact hitter. He's about 75%. Um, this is his first run through pro ball doing that too. He's an elite walk rate guy. I mean, he wanted like a 23.3% rate this year. He never chases. Um, I think we're going to see more power to come, uh, as well. 
his max exit velocity is about 105, 106. So it's not crazy, but once again, he's younger. I think he's going to grow into more strength. He's a guy that has sort of, you know, he's tooled up enough to be a leadoff hitter, center fielder that does a little bit of everything well. So I just like Carter a lot. I think he's a, a projectable prospect to kind of bet on. And I like a lot of the guys that the Rangers have brought in over the last couple of drafts. Um, Zavala is interesting. I mean, I, he was a guy, you know, um, Oregon Ducks um, kind of came out of nowhere for some of us because we didn't see any of these guys for, for a full year or so. And then, you know, all of a sudden they come out, they produce. It's, you know, Pac-12 is a little more difficult to watch. Um, we don't have anybody that's out there. Um, so we prospects live at least. So it was a little bit of a miss on our part. We were hearing from a lot of agents and, 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 and team guys a month running up to the draft. Like this guy is a top 50 player in this draft. And um, he came out and, you know, whatever, you know, I know, you know, Wobble wise 369 was backed by an ex Wobble 360. Understand that it was lower levels and, and, you know, all that, but he makes good swing decisions. He did this in college um he's got some raw pop i think some of it is just adding a little bit more loft once again excellent swing decisions good back control good bat to ball guy good on base percentage guy um converted catcher as well so another lefty bat throws right so seeing it kind of falls into a bucket that i really like here and um i think they are are two prospects with zavala and carter that could really blossom into good all-around players um, and maybe, you know, be major league outfielders for a really long, really, really, yeah, really, really long time. Um, and then Casey was the other one on Casey. Yeah. Um, he was a big, big Canadian boy, I believe. Um, big body, six, four, still really young. He was drafted young. Um, Canadians typically are, so he's still just, just 19. He'll turn 20, um, next July. Uh, you know, there's some swing and miss but he's a big on base percentage guy. Doesn't chase a lot. It's one of these guys where he's got huge power, gets on base, kind of the, that, you know, legit three true outcome type. Um, and he's got big boy juice. He's got double plus power for a 19 year old. He's hitting 114 in terms of his max exit velocities. Average was 91.5, um, 75th percentile, 104.3. That is, that is seven, that is 70 juice, James. So, um, I buy into it. He gets on base and hits for power. Um, and his contact is like a 45. So it's not like he's altogether like a huge windmill whiff machine. Um, I think he'll still hit enough and maintain the on base percentage and on base per ability uh, and hit for a lot of power. And that's that's valuable in fantasy. That's valuable in real life. Um, you know, may end up as a as you know, he's in the outfield now. I don't know, you know, maybe he ends up first base only if he loses some of that athleticism or DH or whatever, but he's got the skill set to make it work. So um just a young kid with some skills that I like, good swing decisions and big power. So um that's why I was kind of boosting him up a little bit. Uh and there's not a lot of guys 19 years years old that are hitting the ball that hard. On the flip side two guys that I was surprised to see you guys have them as low as you did. Uh, Jordan Groshans with the blue Jays and Royce Lewis, obviously with the twins. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I kind of get the case uh, for being closer to out than I am on Lewis. If you just don't want to like buy that into to what he did in the AFL and, and stuff like that. But I was really surprised about Groshans. What, that was what, probably my fault. <laughs> Everybody else had him as a top 100 guy. I had him like 
around 200. Well, what, what, what gives? Um, I just don't think he hits for enough impact. Like I watched him a lot this season. Well, I just don't, I don't think he's done developing as I think that's probably true. I'm just worried that he's going to be like a boring contact hitter and there's not going to be like a ton of juice. Um, I don't know where he ends up defensively. He's not super twitchy. Um, and I don't know if there's a lot of like raw power in the bat either. Um, so maybe maybe I'm too low on Groshans. I mean, I'm I'm willing to. Well, to here, that. how about this? And, so know, like, young. I think, like for instance, um, like I think Groshans, him doing what he did, you know, as a as a 21 year old at Double A, like you know, it like if he was in the Orioles system, they would have opened him at A ball probably, and he would have put up much better numbers. Um, but like the Blue Jays gave him a big test, sent him to double A. Yep. You know, it kind of took a while, but I mean he he finished really strong, still held his own. I mean, he he has, you know, I've we've we've both seen him hit um missiles. Like I, I know it's in there. Mm. Um and so it's just I'm kind of betting on like that was a big like if I were just to grade his season for just given the the assignment, you know, I'd give him a, a straight A on that. Um, even though he only hit seven homers in the in the seventy five games. Yeah. Um, be, yeah. And I think he had that that month where he was like scorching hot in July. Um yeah, I mean, he still doesn't hit lefties well. That was something that really st- stuck out to me. Um and this is gonna sound like cheap, but Man, he didn't face a lot of good arms. Like the teams that, that he played, he was playing Hartford a ton. <laughs> and that's the Rockies double A system. They have no arms. He's playing the Red Sox double A uh, team a lot and also doesn't have like a ton of arms. Um, you know, he faced Grayson a few times. You know, obviously the Orioles had some guys, um, but they were really close pods in terms of what teams they're. They only played about five teams really on a consistent basis and then have like one visit from like Erie or whatever. Um, so I, I question the quality of competition you face too. Like I'm not, I'm just not that impressed if you're ripping up like Frank or like German, you know? Um, so maybe, maybe it's, it's personal bias here with, with Groshans um, because some good contact hitter, he doesn't chase a lot. He gets on base, just not a lot of power. So, Maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of being a hypocrite here by by not buying in. I just I don't know. And he seems like he's always banged up, man. Like there were so many times he got like, you know, he'd he'd come out and like he's he's participating in infield and then just like, you know, gets gets pulled from the lineup before the game. So maybe I just got a bad taste on crochet. It's a good body. You should grow into more power. I'm honestly shocked that he doesn't hit for more power. So Yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see if it comes. Um did you have any thoughts on Royce? I don't know how to rank Royce. <laughs> I honestly, at this point, like I, I have no idea how to rank him. I mean, he's another guy that was definitely a victim where I, I don't have him in the top 100. I have him in like 180. Um, I don't know. I mean, he was kind of struggling for that. He had good AFL, but that's kind of like his, like his high well, watermark, right? He's I, what what makes him so tough is he has the. He has the moving parts in the swing, right? And like they're all they're they've been yeah. working on the the leg kick. Um it's just it's one of those things where like when he is on, he looks like a freak. Um, 
because he has just the, the bat speed, um, the speed on the bases, the defensive versatility. Yep. Like it's it's kind of all there. But when he's when he's out of sync from a timing standpoint, then he's just very very ordinary. Um, and so it's just like how do you you just have no idea like yeah. how it's going to unfold. Yeah, I don't. And if he loses some of that twitch, I just don't know if he has enough like polish and like baseball ability to fall back on. Not a big walk guy. Um, his contact, his, his bat to ball skills are okay, but I don't think he makes great swing decisions. He probably hits too many pitches, you know, maybe needs to swing a little bit less. Um, and there's a ton of raw ability. So, you know, I'm okay with, with kind of being low at this point on someone like this and letting the questions sort themselves out and, if it's appropriate to move him up, do so. Um, you know, it, if you're asking me, like, is is Lewis a good buy low? Yeah, I think you could probably get him undervalued in Dynasty League still. And if somebody still values him too highly, then maybe that's a little bit, you know, <laughs> that he's not going to end up moving him then, you know? So, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's a bad buy low, actually. But I just, I have trouble kind of measuring what he's going to be when he comes back. and how worried we should be about a pretty subpar 2019, which is the last time we saw him. So one of the more surprising guys um, when I was looking at your guys' rankings was uh, Ellie De La Cruz, who, you know, I mean, if there's like a prospect that I associate with prospects live from the 2021 season, it might be mm-hmm. Ellie De La Cruz. And so I was sort of expecting and I mean, he, it's not like you guys are the only place. You were probably the first place, but you're not yeah. the only place really pumping him up. And so I was sort of expecting to see him in like the 50s or the 60s. Mm-hmm. And you guys had him like where I have him. So like, yeah. is, are you getting, um, did you pump the brakes on him? Is he? Have you just kind of been taking a wait and see approach? Like what? What's I think Joe Drake probably would have told us to rank him higher. Um, you know, and I, he's obviously seen, um, you know, Ellie, and uh switch hitter i mean he's just a he's a freak he's gonna add more weight um but he's still super aggressive you know he, he doesn't get on base a lot he chases a ton but he makes a ton of contact like he's a good contact hitter um and there's obviously just like raw twitch and ability i think a lot of it in the field like he probably gets pushed up maybe 20 or 30 spots in a regular list because you know we think that he can we think that he can stick it at shortstop you know um so you know if it if he's a a a freak athlete that sticks at shortstop he's going to move up a ton next year just once again like you know i think there's so many players that we like that you know maybe have higher you know closer proximity and you know sort of higher higher floors still that still have high ceilings that um he was 125 or whatever. I think we all kind of were in agreement in terms of the range that he was in. So, um, yeah, and I think 125, like you said, 75, 70 on to like 140 <laughs> to like 150. It's kind of like one big tier well, with a couple of sub tiers in it, you know? I mean, to, to back up what, what you're saying there, like when I was looking at your guys' list, like I didn't really have any sort of like, oh, wow, like I didn't have any of those reactions really until I got outside like the top 70 and that's because that's when it really sort of like opens up. Um, now I just, you are heading out to the AFL. I hopefully be able to get eyes on these guys. Um, I mean, there's nothing kind of more classic, like just from doing this for a while than 
uh, Jeter Downs and JJ Blade heading to the AFL and just mashing and, um, you know, people being like, I, I still believe in Jeter Downs and, and all that type of stuff. Like, uh, and then, you know, on the flip side, like there's been years where I've just either I've overrated what a guy did in the AFL and then it was like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Or like I saw Jonathan India in the AFL and like, he was like the worst player, one of like the three worst players I probably saw there. <laughs> and I like, was just like, man, he looked really bad. Uh, and that just stuck with me. Whereas if I, if I hadn't gone to the AFL at all and hadn't seen Jonathan India a couple times, I mean, I, I feel like I would have been closer to right. Like you were on, on him. Um, but like what, how do you take this AFL, um, season mm. and, and kind of, of apply what a guy does and weigh it versus what they did during the regular season? Um, I, like I said earlier in the show, like, I think with maybe the exception of like Nelson Velasquez, I might just be lower on every guy that had a good AFL than the consensus because it's the only prospect action in town right now. And everyone just is, is eating it up and putting a little bit too much weight into everything they're seeing. But like, how do you sort of approach it? Yeah. And I think Velasquez is a good case of somebody that kind of like David boat was, when he won AFL MVP, um, it's like a guy that breaks out where you're kind of like, yeah, I knew there were tools there, but maybe we kind of like overlooked him a little bit because the numbers weren't super loud. And then you see him on a field like that and you're like, all right, now I can see that the power is still there and there's like this twitch and there's just some things that he can do offensively that make him really exciting. And he's at least, you know, worth being ranked where maybe he was a guy that maybe wouldn't have been ranked by us or was ranked, you know, years ago on the, you know, in the AZL breakout and then kind of falls, you know, out of the public consciousness for a couple of years um, with, I think Blade and downs are a good sort of um, dichotomy because I always thought Blade had a lot of things going for him in terms of underlying numbers. You know, the stuff he was swinging at, I don't think he made bad swing decisions. It seemed like, contact wasn't as good as it could have been. And sometimes I wondered if the hitting backdrop there at Pensacola kind of screwed with his swing. Cause it's like out there, Google a picture. I mean, I think you probably know it's out there on the ocean, like, but the backdrop yeah. is the ocean. So I've like, there. I don't know what kind of balls come off of that. Like what kind of wind comes off of that, how it impacts particular balls, to particular fields. It's a weird hitting backdrop. So I kind of wondered about that. Um, and I, I still think he has some underlying good skills. So there's some other stuff there that you're like, all right. Um, but he's identified, he talked to Norris today, and I know that you know he identified some sort of mechanical differences within his swing and adjustments that he was trying to make. And you know, I wonder if it was just a timing thing and a couple of tweaks, um, and he'll be able to take a step forward and, and move on. I believe in that a little bit more because I think that he could always hit. Downs is a guy I watched a lot this year, and he sells out for power to an extreme and he has like an insane like split in terms of his bad launch angles, like 35 degrees to like 45 degrees plus it's like absurd. He doesn't have a ton of, a ton of raw power. Um, and the swing can kind of be grooved at times. So if you, if you're a good, if you throw a lot of low balls to him, um, he's going to make contact and kind of run into it. And I think he's had a couple of oppo balls like that where I'm like, that's not out at Fenway. Like that's probably not out of like 
27 major league parks, you know, um, and a lot of parks in the minors. It's just a fly out. And I know the ball carries there. So, you know, it's good for him that he's getting his legs under him. You know, he was, he was IL'd at the end of the season for like being bad <laughs> for struggling so much. So, you know, I, 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 I think that downs is a guy that needed this from a confidence standpoint. I think there's still ability there. Um, but I don't know if I totally buy into downs yet. Um, just because it's not, they were always good at bats. He'll battle. Um, but if he was hitting like 400 and hitting a ton of balls in the gaps and walking a ton and had like three homers versus five, I'd actually be more excited. Like, I feel like he's a guy that I would like to see him almost kind of flatten out a little bit and just make more contact in the gaps. He's got speed and he's a really smart base runner. I think it's something he doesn't necessarily get to utilize because he's, he's always just trying to, to push the ball out to those pull side every single time. Yeah, that's a that's a really good breakdown. I mean, I know you I know you saw him a lot. Um it wasn't it wasn't just Alec Manoa that was making Jeter Downs look silly uh at triple A this year. Um really quick, uh I wanted to get a origin story before I let you go on Raz thirty. Uh because I like since I've been doing this, I've had people mention stuff to me like they'll ask me a question about a prospect and they'll be like yeah, i got him in res 30 and like <laughs> you're trying to give me this like context of like how the league works and stuff and and like i think the more i've done this like i think now i'm probably in like a league with maybe a third of res 30 <laughs> in just like different leagues <clears throat> and i i still have, have no one's ever really been like this is what res 30 is <clears throat> and so I was wondering if you could kind of give me the the origin story sure, and sure. Uh, the the status of Raz Thirty. So we uh, we had these thirty team dynasty leagues that kicked off on Raz Ball back in twenty sixteen, and um, the whole sort of um, gag was like you picked a major league organization, um, you got to pick twenty five players from their or- from their org. And then everybody else went back into like a, a draft and you had to then pick another 15 players to get to like 40, like whatever it was. And it was weird because the way it was split up is like all the NL guys competed in an NL only league and all the AL guys competed in an AL only league. And then there was like a, a world series between the two winners. Um, but there was this weird rule where like they forced all these trades and all this stuff. Um, so like one of the trades that happened was the Araldis Chapman trade. Cause this is 2016. So um, the guy I ended up with Araldis Chapman and not the guy that owned or, or had the Cubs and he had like labor Torres and all those guys who had to be moved off of his team. And all he got, in return was like, I even forget. So I got Adam Warren because he had the most war in that given season. And the prospects obviously didn't have any war. Um, so I got to roll this Chapman and then had to like work out like a backdoor deal with this guy to get it. So like when these deals happened, like the whole league went like crazy. And everyone was like, these rules are crazy. I don't want to play in this format. I'm going to quit. So I stepped up and I was like the prospect writer at Rasball at the time. 
So I stepped up in this email chain and was like, here's my plan. And I had like 30 team dynasty leagues that I played in at the time. And I was like, what we should do is we should just, you know, pick 25 players every year. And we have a rolling scale of um, keepers of this 25. And you can either keep like, we have minimums. So like you can keep like a minimum of like seven major league guys or a minimum of like three minor league guys. All right. And there's less minor leaguers than there are major leaguers, of course. It's like a 23-man roster. So um, so we decided, like, we'll play this league out, and then next year I'm going to take over. We're going to make it one 30-team league where everybody interacts with each other. Um, and we're going to do these different rules without any forced trades, and you can do what you want to do with your own team. And, and people paid into this league, too. Like, it was a $50 buy-in, so the pot was decent. Um and so we did that and we we came up with this new league where it's uh you know an A only and NL only league within a 30 team league so there's like two leagues split out obviously based on each we have to keep it's been shrinking every year it started at like we had to keep 10 players from our real life organization like and, and then it shrunk down to 8 and then down to 6 and it's going down to 3 this year um, so like I own, I, I have the reds. I used to have the Mets and long story. I took over the reds. And, um, so I have to like roster three reds players every year now. Um, but more or less what it is, it's, it's, it's a, a 30 team Roto fantasy league. Uh, we have playoffs and there's now there's six teams from each league that make it, um, and one and two get a first round by, um, and we have a head to head playoffs. Um, and, we chat a lot. So it's kind of like my, my home league where uh, we have a, 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 like a discord where we just all sort of interact and chat. Um, we had a Slack channel before that we moved over to discord last year or the year before might've been during the pandemic. Um, but it, even like during, during the early days of the pandemic, like when like March and April, when it was really like crazy, there was nothing going on. We would like get on and just like, drink and hang out and all like just you know play video games and crap on each other for like an hour and a half two hours so um it it's it's a fun dynasty league because it's it's unique but i think more than anything else is we just we're friends like there's you know very little turnover i think this year we had three teams we had to replace and there's a core of like 20 owners uh that have been around now for i guess five seasons and what we've seen is like a lot of these people who inherited good teams, guys have gotten older, prospects have come up, guys, you know, have drafted well in the FYPD. We do a we do a, a, an auction um, for the players that get thrown back in, but uh, we do uh, an auction on um, couch managers. That's really fun, and it's like a timed rolling auction. So uh, it's like a slow auction is what they call it. So we set like eight hours in the initial bid and then you can upbid it and whatever. And uh, so it's great because we, you know, each probably, you know, we probably add a hundred something players from this. And it's all like major league free agents that have been thrown back in the pool. So it's guys you don't think about are going to be good. And like, they turn out to be good. Like Brandon Crawford was one last year, years ago, Tommy Pham was one. Um trying to think this year there were Kyle Gibson was one. There was another guy that was like 
a Cy Young candidate I'm not even thinking about that was in in this draft. Robbie um, Ray? Yeah. Robbie Ray was in this draft last year. So it's awesome because we have this like it we do it right before the season starts. So like usually it's the the first Friday of March Madness is when we have it. So I'll like I'll take the day off from work and all like all day long we're just running this auction through like a weekend and we maybe three or four days we probably auction off like you know like I said a hundred something plus players. Then we do the FYPD a little bit earlier than that. Um and it's a sliding scale, like I said. So you may keep more majors or more minors, and you can kind of build your team how you want. Um, but we keep 20 minors in season and 23 major leaguers. So it's like a 43-man roster across 30 teams. So it gets pretty deep. You're still surprised. You're still surprised at some of the stuff you can grab, you know, off the waiver wire um, and end up with, you know, some some pretty good players or good prospects. So it's a fun, it's just, that's kind of the origin stories. It spun out of this other league. We had like a little online beef on Razzball with the other league where we would go in. This guy would write up like comments uh, or write up an article about the league every week. And the guys from the my league would go into his comments, and like attack him. I remember one time I was on vacation with my family in Florida and we we're out someplace. And the commissioner of the other league is texting me being like, tell your guys to lay off me. And I'm like, they're grown men and I'm on vacation. Like, I'm, what, just deal with it. I don't know, dude. Like, so we, we, we kind of bonded over that. And uh, we have like all like we have the crab army is what we call ourselves. Uh, so there's this whole thing with like claws up and we have like a logo. We had Rotowire uh, t-shirts actually for a while. Um, Kenny like made a logo for us and, uh, Kenny was in the league for a little bit actually too, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like my favorite league. It's like my dynasty league that I just, I have so much fun doing it. And I think it's because we're just all like total goofballs. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's what makes dynasty so fun. Uh, shouts to all the, the guys in, in Raz 30. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, Next week, I'm going to be on your guys' podcast, but uh, people are going to want to become uh, patrons over at Prospects Live if they want to be able to check that out. Uh, I'll be on with you and Eddie, I believe, and uh, we'll kind of be doing more, more of what we just got done doing. Um, and obviously, I mean, you, you have to be a, a subscriber at uh, Baseball America if you're not already, and that's where you'll be able to catch all of Jeff's work here starting in a, in a couple of weeks. Is there anything else you wanted to, to mention, man? No, I think that's, you know, that's it. Like, I'm just excited to get started over there. I'm still going to have some stuff coming out. Like I said, at prospects live. I'm going to go out to Arizona fall league and just uh, try to do a lot of, a lot of double ups. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll hit two games each day and, you know, try to cut a ton of video and just get it up. Maybe not during, during the game, but, that night into the next morning, you know, I'll have uh, a lot of stuff from when everyone wakes up with, you know, a lot of highlights and everything else cut up from the camera. That's awesome. Uh, can't wait to see all that. I uh, can't wait to, to talk with you and, and Eddie uh, next week. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Um, no this, was, this was a ton of fun. Thanks a lot, James. Pleasure as always.